Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. Today we're reading One Night with a Prince by Sabrina Jeffries. This was written in 2005 and is the third and final book in the Royal Brotherhood of Bastards series. So you may remember this series is the one with the three brothers who are bastards of the Prince of Wales. Uh, one of them is unknown to the prince. One of them is known to the prince but acknowledged by his uh, Viscount father, the mother, the husband to his mother, who's a Viscount. And this third book is about the most bastardy of all of the bastards because he was the son of an actress or who dancer. Who was a mistress of the Prince of Wales, but who the Prince of Wales will not acknowledge was his mistress. And so. will not acknowledge the hero, Gavin, as his son. Correct. And so both of the other two brothers are on decent terms with the Prince of Wales. Mm -hmm. One, because he's a peer who the Prince of Wales doesn't know is his kid, so mm -hmm. they interact within the aristocracy. The one who's acknowledged as a Viscount and known to be Prinny's bastard is on good terms with Prinny, also mm -hmm. because he's a legitimate part of the aristocracy. Mm -hmm. And then Gavin is not only the son of an actress, but is now the proprietor of a gambling hell and like as irrespectable, irreputable as anyone could hope for. Exactly, exactly. All right, <clears throat> let's read the jacket. Proper Lady Christabel, the Marchioness of Haversham, is desperate to regain some letters that could destroy her. So desperate that she pretends to be the mistress of notorious gaming club owner Gavin Byrne to accompany him to a scandalous house party where she can reclaim them. But when she agreed to let Byrne coach her on how a true mistress behaves, she never suspected how very persuasive his wicked lessons would be. Gavin is secretly determined to find the letters himself and use them for revenge against the noble sire who abandoned him to grow up in London's worst slums. He's also delighted at how very successful his mistress lessons are. It won't be long before the luscious young widow is in his bed. But when Christabel catches Gavin in his own seductive net, he faces a difficult choice to wreak the vengeance he's planned all his life, or to protect the woman he may, to his own astonishment, need more than revenge. Inaccurate. <laughs> the letters aren't able to destroy her. The letters are able to basically destroy all of British society, so. Yeah, and more personally, her father. Yes. But not, she's not motivated by, motivated by self-preservation. Yeah. So, like, that's misleading. Yeah. Also, there's not mistress lessons. There are no mistress. I mean, they're sort of mistress lessons. Not, sort of. I mean, not, they're not called mistress lessons. They're really called poker lessons. Whist lessons. We'll get there. <laughs> but, like, that's the only lessons he's promised her are card tricks. Yeah. The other lessons are things like him putting buying her dresses. But it's not like yeah. he's teaching her how to seduce him. No, no. Or be no. seductive. He's teaching her how to act like a woman who would be his mistress. So let's take a step back and talk about Gavin. Okay. Because I love Gavin. He's great. He's, he's a pretty good bad boy, I would say. Because he's not, again, not all that bad, which 
is what we want out of our bad boys. Correct. But he, so he worked his way up. He was self-taught, grew up in the slums, as as is correctly reported in the book jacket. And he is now the owner of the best gaming hall in London, the one that has the best food, and you can get whatever you want there. Yes. And... I completely forgot where I was going with that. Oh, and so the let's talk about the setup. Okay. So actually, let's do our our summaries. What are we doing? We're, we're all discombobulated. Oh my god! So I I just really want to talk about Gavin. I apparently <laughs> I guess. So Meg, what is your twenty-two word summary? How to score? How to score an invite to England's most exclusive card party? Pretend to be the mistress slash card partner of London's sexiest gambler. And mine. Not all card sharks are rapists. A primer by the world's best daughter. Dedicated to a Gibraltarian who is definitely not Prinny's son. Lane, did you just give away what was in the letters? Maybe. Oh my god. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so Gavin and Christabel end up in this situation because Christabel's father kept letters between Prinny, people related to Prinny, and himself. Covering up a royal scandal. Covering up a royal scandal, yeah. 22 years ago. Yep. And he shouldn't have kept them, but he did. But he did. And, and insurance, but, you know, we all know that that doesn't work out well. Christabel was aware of them and told her inveterate gambler of a husband about them. Right. And for some reason, he then sold them to this dude, Lord Stokely. Yeah, that he, who he owes money to. In payment of debt. Yeah, well, no, I, I'm sorry. He sold them to Lord Stokely to get money to pay, pay off, off Gavin. Gavin. Yes, okay. So he racked up all these debts at Gavin's establishment. Right. So the first time that Gavin and Christabel meet, Gavin has gone to collect on his debt. Yes. And Christabel shoots him. I loved this so much. So you don't actually get to see the scene because they, they talk about it. In hindsight. In hindsight. But so when the letters are stolen, Christabel, or when Christabel is summoned by Prinny, she's informed the letters, the letters have, been stolen. have been stolen and that the person in possession of them is trying to use them to blackmail the Prince of Wales and that these letters could ruin both the Prince of Wales and her father. Right. She's aware, she didn't know the letters existed, but she was involved as a kid traveling along in what had happened. Mm -hmm. So what's in the letters wasn't a secret to her, but the kind of the facts that the letters existed was. Yes. Um, so she, talking to the Prince of Wales, the Prince of Wales says, this is how we're gonna get them back. You're gonna go to this dude who's blackmailing me's party, and you're gonna search for them and find a way to get them. How, and he suggests she go to Bern mm -hmm. to secure the invitation yeah. to the party because he's a guest of honor there. Yes. And to coerce Bern into getting her the invitation, he offers him a barony. Correct. So Bern would, would receive a barony if he helps Christabel. So the Prince of Wales also told Christabel not to tell Gavin, not to tell Bern what was in the letters or even the fact that they are letters, just the fact that she needs to go to this party. Right. But Christabel's not very good at lying. No. And she gives away that there's an, something she needs to get from this house party. Right. And he's, Gavin, sort of rightfully says, how can I help you find it? 
if I don't know what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And she says, you're not gonna, you're just gonna get me an invitation. Just gonna get me there. And so Gavin is like, okay, first of all, this lady does not know what she's in for with Stokely and his set. I can't let her go off alone. Mm -hmm. Second of all, there's clearly, clearly more than this than meets the eye. And if there's a way for me to manipulate and blackmail Prinny, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So he says, okay, I'll get you an invite, but only if you go as my mistress yeah. and we work together on this. Yeah. So he's like, come on. The only way any woman is going to get in there is if they're my mistress. And she's like, fine, I'll do it. I will and masquerade as your mistress. Interestingly, um, the percentage of attendees who have previously been his mistress does lend some credence to this. <laughs> this is so, oh my gosh, so great. I love it so much. So, um, what are some tropes in this setup? Well, we, we talked about it a little bit. We have the fake relationship. In this case, it's a fake mistress, not a fake fiance. It doesn't say fake for very long. Does not say fake. Look, we all know if you're going to fake an intimate relationship with someone, it's gonna turn real someday. Of course, makes me think of my, one of my most favorite romance novels of all time, Mistress. Mistress. <laughs> I think one of my favorite parts of this though, so she's a widow. Mm-hmm. Not a virgin widow, thank God. Not a virgin widow, no. And she sort of decides to have sex with him before any of their issues are resolved. Oh yeah. And I'm glad, like, yeah. I, I'm glad it wasn't, weirdly like a, a formerly married person worried about their innocence yes she's like i'm gonna fall in love with him when i have sex with him and then she's like i just can't resist yeah. him so we're gonna deal with those consequences yeah she, i think it was more like so the reason she didn't want to have a sexual relationship is because she knows that she can't really take that lightly mm -hmm. and so she's like i'm gonna fall in love with you if you have sex and then later she's like well i'm already in love with him so what's the point in holding out any further Anyway, it's, it's, it's nice. She's like, leaving him's going to suck no matter what. Yeah. Might as well get some. Get some, yeah. Yeah. Um, she's sort of not like the other girls. Yeah, so this is a trope that can really, really bother me and Lane. And that's when a girl, or the, the heroine, is pointed as being not like other girls. She's different in some way. And it's not that she's different because she's unique in herself. She just, she likes to shoot. Because she's not like but the other girl. more than that, it's offensive usually because it's disparaging to other women. Exactly. It doesn't become about celebrating the strengths of the heroine. It becomes about insulting all other women. Yeah. And she's the only one who's worthy of any humane treatment. Yeah. And yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that a lot. Because there are actually a lot of elements that I think could be problematic. But this book manages to avoid. Yeah. Dress for success. Oh, yeah. I, I really like this. She's so, got makeovers, as we discussed. Yes, and um, I like that. So she has never seen herself as being particularly beautiful. Uh, she grew up, her father's a general. She grew up on the campaign, mm -hmm. basically. So she's never felt comfortable in society. She's never had nice clothes. And when she does get them, mm -hmm. then she, she feels more confident, which I think a lot of us can relate to. Agreed. Um, also gambling, obviously. So he obviously. runs the gaming hell. She has to go meet him at the gaming hell. Her husband was an awful gambler whose death was unrelated to his gambling. Yes. But who is dead. Who is dead. And whose gambling did leave her in debt and saddled with this incredibly awkward situation. Yeah. There's some house party sleuthing. Trope I love. I love it. 
I love it. Love it so much. Yeah. Um, and his caddy former lovers. It's really, it's really well done here. I think. Yep. Um, she's got a tragic dead mom. She's got a tragic dead mom and he's got, he also has a tragic dead mom and a daddy hates and a daddy hates. So she has a good dad, but they're like one for four on the parents. Front. Yeah. So I did say this. She she knows how to shoot. Yep. She's Annie Oakley. She again. She grew up surrounded by soldiers, so she learned how to shoot. But she's very good at it. Um, and she carries a gun around with her, actually, concealed carry. <laughs> yep. There's a trope I like that we've seen a couple of times now, um, where there's a woman's object, fan, parasol, that's more than meets the eye. Yes. In this case, he gives her a gift of a lady's fan with a stiletto in yeah. it. Yeah. And then also in this book, there are some revealing nicknames. So there's this really fun conversation between a lot of his former lovers at yes. the house party. And they just sort of ask her about him. And yeah. Like, does he still do this? Does he still do this? They're like, oh, don't you hate it when he calls you lass? And she's like, I do like it when he calls me darling. And they're like, <gasps> he, he calls you darling? darling? Like, yeah. <laughs> wait, he sleeps in your bed? Yeah. Like, oh, girl, you're different. Yeah, they're like, what, do you, what does he do that you don't like? And she's like, oh, he, he steals the covers. And they're like, you're in bed long enough with him for, for, for him to steal the covers? Yes. Yeah. And so that was all very fun. He's also got, like, the one that got away. Yeah, the, the one who got away. I didn't like that. Didn't love it. No, no. She's just boring. She she's doesn't boring. add anything to the plot. She's very boring. Yes. So, but, but I didn't hate her. No, I didn't hate her. I just didn't think it was a device yeah. that was needed in the text. But very tropey. Oh, very tropey. And oh, sorry, the man who doesn't believe in love. Yeah, he doesn't believe in because love because of the one who got because away. Because the one who got away. Yeah. So, like I said, this book has a lot of elements that could be problematic, but I really think they're pretty well handled. Yeah. So, like we said, not like other girls. And the answer is. Like, it's true that she's not like other girls, but it's more that she's just not like the women he's been hanging out with. Right. And so he hangs out with the types of women who swing and go to gambling hells. Yeah. And she's a respectable general's daughter who became a member of the aristocracy through, like, an accident of her husband's birth. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, she's not like his other mistresses, but again, that's, he's been self-selecting that way. Yeah. So I think, I think what makes it palatable is that he acknowledges mm -hmm. that it's not that she's all that different. It's that he hasn't associated with respectable women all that and much. And he also recognizes he never speaks about women generally. Yes. He speaks about how different she is than the other relationships yes. he's had, but he doesn't, it's not disparaging. Yes. Yes. And like literally, so here's a quote. She says, she wasn't like his other women. So again, he's specifying, she's not like the other women I've been with. And it's also less about the women's characteristics and more about how he felt about them. Yes. Like his other mistresses have largely been married women. Yeah. Who he very intentionally wasn't cultivating an attachment to. Mm -hmm. And so just by virtue of being available as a widow, she's different for yeah. him. There is, there could have been some sexual coercion or aggression. In fact, he does, he decides to seduce her. So pretty early yeah. on, he's like, I'm going to seduce you. He, she has agreed to be his fake mistress. Mistress in name only. Mistress in name only to, to quote mistress by Amanda Quick. And he's like, well, she can think that, but soon enough, she'll be in my bed. And so he could, he 
totally could have used their fake relationship to push for more. So there are times where she has to sit on his lap and he's got to sort of caress her stomach or, I mean, that, that happens in one scene, uh, things like that. Uh, and then um, he does end up seducing her a little bit, but it's more of a, it's more mutual. But even before that, like, he uses the situations to his advantage, right? Like, she needs to get fitted for dresses. So he yes. So he insists on being in the room. Exactly. Because he's the one with taste. But yes. then he's seeing her more undressed than she wants to be. It definitely skirts a line. It definitely skirts like, a line. She definitely does not want him seeing her with the tailor. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give her a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but he never... No means no. No means no. Um, when she's under duress... He, he's not going to force her to do something she doesn't want to do. Right. And, and she makes it very clear that even once they start mm-hmm. a fully consensual relationship, that she has the power to end it. Yes. Like, he's not going to force her. And they have a conversation comparing him to a yeah. different card shark. Yes. Who does not view it that way. Yes. And then there's so much emphasis on jealousy in this book. Yes. Again, this is something that I could hate, mm-hmm. and yet I don't hate it. I actually was expecting you to not like it here. So yeah. Interesting. What can I say? Because I'm not as bothered by jealousy as you are. Yeah. I don't love it, but... For me, it was more... It, it played into everything. I thought it was well done because it played into everything... That was, it was the character development. Mm-hmm. So, yes, he's jealous, but it's not, it's not, I, it's really hard to differentiate, and I mm-hmm. want to make sure I'm saying the right thing. Yeah. So, for me, what I don't like about jealousy is when it's being used to control the other person's actions. Mm-hmm. And here, it wasn't being used that way at all. It just was something that he refused to acknowledge that he felt. Mm-hmm. So it's used as a stand-in really for catching feelings or falling in love. Right. Like the fact that he is pissed off that Stokely is pawing her is more about the fact that he genuinely cares about her and that Stokely is a threat. Yes. It's not about controlling her. It's exactly. About, you know, this dude is gross yeah. and pushing my buttons. And he doesn't say, he doesn't tell her you need to stop talking to Stokely, you need to stop this, you need to stop that. He's just like, look, I was really uncomfortable with that. And he does outright tell her, like, you are not seducing him for the years. So, like, he gets... But at the same time, if that's how jealousy manifests, I'm fine with it. She also gets a little bit jealous, Mm -hmm. but she is under the impression that her dead husband had a mistress. Yep. And so, not only is she into Gavin but unwilling to pursue it because she knows she couldn't be one of many in his harem. Mm -hmm. But she also sort of felt like she wasn't enough for her husband. Mm -hmm. And add that with people who have formerly had had sex with or had love from Gavin all being stuck in this house together and Mm -hmm. she's like Way less jealous than she could be. I mean, can you imagine being in that situation? I would not be into that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we talked about this before in some other Sabrina Jeffries books. Uh, It does not bother me at all when the heroines are like made for the hero in that they're really into the physical type. You know, I, I have recently been reading 
um, well, I've been reading a lot of romance novels lately. <laughs> <laughs> and in a lot of them, they're like, well, I'm not usually attracted to tall, lean women, but she's different. You know, I'm like, okay, like that's fine and all, but. No, 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 she was made to ruin his life. Exactly. She's got this long, dark hair and these um, green eyes. Mm -hmm. And she's like very voluptuous. And, and not just like, voluptuous in the sense of like a 38 22 38 yeah. like she's a curvy girl yeah. mm -hmm. but it is his kryptonite exactly exactly um i just didn't know if you caught this there's you you know see you next tuesday right mm -hmm. um so for those of you who don't know see you nt yeah obviously mm -hmm. is a way of insulting mm -hmm. someone mm -hmm. and there's a scene where he takes her to like a practice game of whist that some of his friends are throwing and his former mistress ends it by telling her she'll see her next Tuesday mm -hmm. and it's literally see you next Tuesday and I was like I don't know if Sabrina Jeffries got this in 2005 but it's oh, hilarious I think she, I mean I think she did I yeah. think it's there on purpose it, it's just perfect it, it's because like the, the exact level of it's a modern catty mm -hmm. thing inserted into this mm -hmm. historical scene and I thought it was really well done. It, it was really well done and of course that's the kind of thing that it was Lady Jenner probably who did it. Yes, it you was. Know? Yeah, yeah. I know, I know Lady Jenner. Yes, this is <laughs> one of my favorite books. What can I say? <laughs> um, yeah, I also it, it sympathized a lot with Christabel because I am super competitive. Yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah. So Christabel is very competitive. So she has agreed to go and play whist at this party. She's not like really good at whist. She just doesn't know. Well, she's she she knows how to right? play. Like her husband got lost all their money in gambling hell. She's she's like she knows the rules, but she's not interested in gambling. Yeah. Yeah. So but the second she realizes they're going to be playing to win, she's like, I am going to learn how to play whist and I'm going to kick ass doing it. Especially after all your caddy mistresses were just very mean to me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to beat them all. She's like, I'm going to show them. And I'm just like, yep, I, I've been there. I've been there, Christabel. This is also when we see like the 18 whatever's version of strip poker. So. Yes. It was, look, it was great. I loved it. It's called Whist for the Wicked. Whist for wondering. the Wicked. And it's for every point your opponent wins in whist, you have to take off an article of clothing. I think this is as good a place as I need to say. I thought the whist stuff was not well done. That's fair. Like, there's a lot of people sitting at tables. There's a lot of people sitting at tables which is fine. playing whist. And it'd be one thing if they said, okay, you've got a point, you've got a point. But, like, they kept talking about the 13 rounds and rubbers. And yeah. I was like, I don't know what any of this is, and I don't yeah. need to. Like, I 100% looked up the rules of whist because I was like, it sounds like bridge, but not really. And it is basically bridge, but not really. But what's a rubber? It's a round. Oh, well, then what? Just use the word round. I get it. But, like... <laughs> I don't care about the cards. I know. I know. I, I actually wouldn't mind playing Whist now. So I Bridge is okay, but it's you have to bid and stuff. And I find it very confusing. I play bridge. But Whist, it seems like you just you don't have to bid. They just pass out the cards and then you play. I'm not so saying I never like, want to play No, Whist. I know. I'm just, just saying. saying. I, I probably have fun doing it. But I'm saying like having the rules only half explained in yeah. every scene where this is happens true. was not necessary. It's true. So we, we, we have talked about like, this is the second gambling book we're talking about this week. Yeah. And uh, we talked about it in Scott under the covers as well. But I, I always like a plot where the 
the hero and heroine are on the same side. Yes. So they had different ultimate ends, basically on what to do with the letters, but they were working together to find the letters. Yes. So, like it. Yes. Um, so they have a lot in common, actually. So a lot of her servants are old military men mm -hmm. who maybe are not the most traditional mm -hmm. for their jobs, but who she like desperately wants to take care of. And he's got a lot of older servants as well. That, that he doesn't want to pension off. And, and he, you know, takes care of his family. And he sort of got into helping his illegitimate brothers without a goal in mind. Mm -hmm. Iversley was broke and needed a legitimate entry into society. Um, the other brother... Draker needed... Uh, his sister and to enter mm -hmm. into society. And so I also thought it was interesting, and this is actually the first time I'm realizing it, that Byrne doesn't need any help from his brothers. Mm-mm. Like no. The whole point of the royal brother, the bastards, is to help each, other, each other And he does this all on his own. Yeah. They're like, we're going to get you a barony, but he's like, I, I mean, that's tempting, but I don't need that. Yeah. So it's he doesn't nice. need them for anything, yeah. which is interesting. Um, so he, I think he wins the brothers. He wins the brothers, sure. Yeah. But so, that, that, yeah, it just, just really fun. Yeah. Um, I like that the conflict in the book is a moral conflict. So I actually really like, so the, the conflict is, it has nothing to do with sex and it has nothing to do with like, do I love you mm -hmm. or do I not love you? Mm -hmm. It's that he wants to do one thing with the letters. She wants to do another thing with the letters. Right. And to, to her, it is a moral dilemma. Right. And I, I mean, I just really liked that in a romance novel because it could have been super angsty and it definitely p played a little bit with angst because it was preventing them from being together. Sure. Uh, but I liked that it was this issue that he had to figure out on his own. Yeah. So I liked that a lot. Um, he... Oh, do you want to talk about the kids? Sure. So I thought there's a, there's a whole part in the book where she, so she convinces, she basically convinces him to do the right thing or what she thinks to be the right thing by, by having him think of our future children. How could we be together after you did this horrible thing um, when our children would face disgrace for the rest of their lives? I didn't hate it. And I think it's because the series as a whole is so focused on like legitimacy and legacy mm -hmm. that it was actually a really good argument yeah. to use with him. Yeah. I liked it. I, I, I like it. I didn't need the quote, like, spoiler alert epilogue with their children. Yeah, like, I know. Kids were not a big enough part of their story for that to feel relevant. Mm -hmm. But I did like her basically saying, you were illegitimate, never acknowledged, left to fend for yourself, bear the weight of your parents' shame. Mm -hmm. Like, how could you possibly want to continue that cycle of hurt? Exactly. So it's, it's nice. I liked it. I personally love card game endings. I know you do. Well, you so. also love card game scenes. I love card game scenes. I love card game endings. I love courtroom drama endings. I love sitcom. I love, I love an ending with a little twist. Yeah. Basically. And there's a very fun card game ending here. There is. So I liked it. We've already talked about this a little bit, but um, we liked the gathering of mistresses. So basically, they are at this card party, mm -hmm. house party slash card party, and they're in a room with 
four former mistresses, one current mistress, and one former fiance. Mm -hmm. All in the room together. Mm -hmm. And they all decide to talk about Gavin. And the it's instigated by this book that I guess a famous mistress published anonymously about her conquest. So they all start talking about theirs. And it's just a really... I think it's probably a trope. I've seen stuff like this enough times, but it's just, it's well executed. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's really fun. Did anything offend you? Well, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a fair share of sexual harassment in this book, uh, especially when they get to the card party. Lord Stokely is specifically targets Christabel. Mm -hmm. So he he knows that she's there for some reason, although he's keeping his cards close to his chest. Ha uh -huh. <laughs> um, And she's thinking, well, maybe I should flirt with him, play along. Uh, and it gets to a point where he corners her alone in a room and, and he tries to get physical with her. Against her will. Against her will. Uh, and she, she has to defend herself, and she can defend herself, but she shouldn't have to, obviously. Right, and it was very much unnecessary. Yeah, it's, it's unnecessary. That said, I thought it was an interesting depiction because it wasn't about how beautiful she is or how he can't resist her. It was more like, I have you in my power, what can I do to you? Mm -hmm. Which I think is a lot of how sexual harassment actually plays out. Agreed. I, I don't think it was poorly handled mm -hmm. for the way it was present. I just... Did it have to be there? Did, like, what did it add to the sure. plot or the stakes? Yeah. It just made him grosser. That, mm -hmm. I mean, that's the whole point. And if that's the only reason that it's there... Okay. Yeah. She also experiences some sexual assault earlier in her life. So the way she met her husband was actually, he was in the military and came upon her being set upon by three dudes. Yeah. And she was not capable of defending herself no. in that situation. And he, what'd they say? Cut them through with his sword? Something like that. Yeah. Like he went to town. Yeah. Which, okay. Yeah. It was very heroic, I guess, in her eyes. And but they of course, fell in love and got married. It's heroic because he saved her from a fake from a, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. I know. Um, how sexy is this book, Meg? I think this book is quite sexy. I really think it's very sexy. Um, this is, it's also sexy in the way Sabrina Jeffries is sexy. So there are some things that if you like Sabrina Jeffries, um, you'll like this book. So like some of them, she, she gives him a hand job. Yep. Uh, which not it doesn't appear in like a ton of romance novels, but Sabrina Jeffries has a lot of them for some reason. I, I mean, there's a. By the time you've gotten two main characters who are consenting adults in this era to take their clothes off, it's reasonable to assume it's not going to end with a hand job. Sure, and yet she does have a lot of them, and they are sexy as hell. Yeah, they're they're very they're very sexy. That's the thing mm -hmm. too. It's like. So in this case, it's not quite as interruptus. It's she intentionally gives him a hand job because like that is less her heart's less on the line than if she had sex with him. So she very intentionally ends their situation that way. Yeah. And he is not happy about it. Yeah. Um, another Sabrina Jeffries thing she does is I'm going to use this sex to get you to tell me something. 
I'm actually getting bored of that. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Because it's not just Sabrina Jeffries. We also had, uh, what's her name? Stephanie Lawrence does it a lot. Yeah, there's. I've just read it a lot lately where yeah. it's the like, I'm going to hover just over your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're not touching until you answer this question. And I don't mind it as much when it's like, admit how you feel about me. Yeah, which is kind of what it is here. But there, she, at one point he does attempt to try to get her to tell him what's in the letters. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, come on. Come, that's also like yeah. not the sexy thing to talk about here. Yeah. So the we talked about the Wist for the Wicked. It's just like three chapters of slow burn seduction by cards. Yeah. And it is very sexy, in my opinion. Yeah. And there is, there's a little bit of a voyeur element to it, mm-hmm. right? Like she's hearing about his previous exploits, many of which reveal he's secretly a good person. Yeah, um, yeah big surprise, right? <laughs> and she's playing with people who have had sex with him and are willing to make lewd comments about it. And she's trying to play his mistress, so she's touching him in his lap while these women are asking him them very personal questions about yeah. their sex life. And then he's got to teach her to play cards. Mm-hmm. And that's proximity and skill and mm-hmm. it was very well. It's good. Yeah. It's fun. Well, but like the voyeur is like people are watching her be yeah. his mistress. It's not like people are watching them have sex or they're watching people have sex, but right. it's, it's a public yes. seduction. Exactly. And I mean, honest and like seriously, the whisper, the wicked, like the actual time mm-hmm. where they're playing with each other, there are two full chapters of them playing cards. And then a third chapter where they, get intimate yeah and in a book that's only like 26 chapters long you'd be like really three of them are but they were all necessary and and i mean i'm in no way complaining i'm just saying this it was worth it and i'm saying this as the person who was like all the wist was unnecessary Uh a lot of these three chapters was a weird explanation of wist that i didn't understand at all and i'm still like i needed every word Uh uh-huh uh-huh it's good um they do have carriage sex Hallelujah! <laughs> and during the carriage sex, they have a little bit of role play. Yep. So, not going to say no to that. He's got a hang up about the word whore. Yeah. And that leads to a more aggressive sexual encounter than they usually have. And I didn't hate it. <laughs> I mean, it's really hot. It's also in a carriage. Like, what do you want from like, me? There's so much to love about it. And, like, we talk about how the, the thing that is great about a carriage is, for, like, you're in such close proximity. How in the world do you keep your hands off of each other? They just don't. They just don't. Bother to. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, of course. Duh. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it so yeah. much. So, basically, it's it's pretty hot. They, and it's, you know, they're pretty, pretty frequent as well. Yeah, it gets a little, gets a little emotion heavy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> it is a romance novel. <laughs> They're falling in love. <laughs> it just gets a little, like, too, <sighs> the bodies crashing together represent yeah. the melding of souls at sure. the end. And it's like, I just wanted the bodies crashing together, yeah. but okay. Just the carriage, just read the carriage scene again and you'll be fine. Let's flip back a couple yeah. pages. <laughs> Or, spoiler alert, read The Raven Prince. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, overall, I really liked this series, and I would recommend this book. Yeah, I, I really like this book a lot. Again, it has things that I normally would be like, nah, I'm going to probably skip that. Just really well done, really fun. And, like, 
two adults. Yes. Who yes. act like adults and have exactly. adult responsibilities. And like we've read a lot lately where clearly the people were in their 20s, but they've like, they're second sons and younger daughters who don't have any responsibility and all yeah. that's fine. But like these are... <laughs> These are yeah people who know what they want, and that exactly. was good. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm. I will never say no to a 35 year old hero and a 31 year old heroine, who's a she's a widow. He's a man who's scraped his way up for nothing, and they both have like lived life. Exactly, exactly. Cool. So read it. It's fun. Um, and, and just like skip it. to the carriage. Scene. Well, that's you can always skip to the carriage scene, but. <laughs> You know, uh, as a reminder, you can find us on Instagram at plot Tris. at plot Tris, or if you want to reach out to us with a recommendation or review a comment, um, it's plot at gmail.com. Bye. Thanks for listening.